Georgia's DBHDD is warning all Georgians that half of all opioid deaths happen at home when people take an oxy or a perk with a glass of alcohol for stress or to sleep. Learn more about protecting families from opioid overdoses at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. I think uh, most of you who are regular listeners to this show, you're so savvy, know that um, our 2 o'clock edition of Political Rewind is what we like to call an encore of the live 9 a.m. show. Um, Not today. Uh, Today we are coming to you live again at 2 o'clock because this has been an an extraordinary day a primary election day, and we felt it was important to keep you up to date on everything that's been going on out there. You know, about a week ago, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger was on the show, and he he told us then, given the extraordinary interest in the election uh, this uh, cycle, given uh, that the coronavirus was going to shut down some polling places, that social distancing requirements would be in place for a variety of factors— He did say some people were going to probably wait for a very long time uh, to vote if they came into the polling places today. So uh, he was anticipating that. I'm not sure, though, that anyone anticipated what we've seen throughout uh, the morning hours and well into noon and beyond today, which is at some polling places, some precincts around the state of Georgia, uh, equipment hasn't worked properly Uh, People have stood in long, long lines to vote. We've gotten reports of people who, once they did get to the machines, in several cases at least, the wrong races were displayed on their screens. In one case, uh, a woman who lives in the 5th Congressional District, when she started casting her ballot, uh, had the uh, candidates for the 13th District pop up on her screen. Uh, The situation is such that... Um, Georgia's Speaker of the House, David Ralston, uh, about midday today, ordered an investigation of irregularities into the primary election. He pointed his finger particularly at Fulton County and said this, the sanctity of our elections being free and fair is the very foundation of our system of government. Our elections must be efficient and voters must be confident that their votes will be properly counted. And he's ordered the Government Affairs Committee in the House to begin investigating the election and make changes. Meanwhile, the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, said that he, too, wants to investigate. He said this, The voting situation today in certain precincts in Fulton and DeKalb counties is unacceptable. My office has opened an investigation to determine what these counties need to do to resolve these issues before November's election. Obviously, the first time a new voting system is used, there's going to be a learning curve, and voting in a pandemic only increased these difficulties, but every other county faced these same issues, and they were significantly better prepared to respond so that voters had every opportunity uh, to vote. We're going to talk a lot more about that. We're going to talk about the Democratic response to that, the Democratic Party response to that, Um, and we'll continue to try to update you on how the election is going around the state of Georgia. That said, I'm welcoming back and very happy to have back uh, Tamar Hallerman, senior reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, doing double duty for Political Rewind today. Tamar, you've been on top of this story from early this morning, so thank you so much for giving us more of your time today. It's good to have you back. 
It's good to be back. Who would have thought so much that would have changed from four hours ago when I was on the air with you last? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, Stephen Fowler is also with us. Stephen, the political reporter at GPB News. Stephen has been out and about and has been gathering uh, instances where there have been problems in voting across the state. Stephen, I want to make sure that I do say one thing. We've asked our listeners to send me emails, which they've done, to post on our Facebook page, to send us tweets about problems they've had today. Really, we've asked them to tell us about their experiences. We didn't want to anticipate that they necessarily had problems. And we want to be clear. We've gotten reports from a lot of people out there who've said their experience voting today was actually quite good, that they didn't encounter the kinds of problems that we've seen some places in Fulton, DeKalb, uh, Cherokee counties had some problems, others as well. But, Stephen, this isn't an all-bad story, is it? Well, right, Bill. You know, there are 159 counties with you know more than 2,700 polling places across the state, and not everyone has the same issues or the same voting patterns as some of the big metro Atlanta areas. And so... You know, as I think uh, Gabe Sterling has pointed out, there are more than 150 counties that things have run smoothly, but we've talked a lot and seen a lot from those nine or ten that haven't throughout these last several hours. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Gabe Sterling. Gabriel Sterling is the uh, chief operating officer at the Secretary of State's office and oversaw the implementation of the new voting machines that people are uh, using uh, for the most part for the most for the first time. Today, Mr. Sterling, I know this is an incredibly busy day for you. I'm glad you could join us for at least a few minutes. Uh, you issued a statement this morning quite similar to what your boss, the Secretary of State, put out, which was to say, we did our job right, meaning the state, the Secretary of State, uh, point the finger at the counties. They're the place where things have gone wrong. Explain what that means. Well, in large part, and this is very hard for the for the layman to understand. I know that you understand it, Stephen, and probably most of your listeners know. Counties are the actual entities that run elections. They all have county elections boards. They they have county elections directors, and they make decisions of where do we send poll workers, where do we send equipment, how do we train these people. We give them all the stuff they need to train them and prepare them. And in 159 counties, we have done that. But in particular, and this is unfortunate, and I'm a Fulton County native. And I, I, I tweeted out something earlier today from 2013, basically said Fulton election failures. And I said it's like deja vu all over again. Uh, so we, we understood that there were going to be issues. And like you said, the secretary came on and said there's going to be issues around the state. It's new voting systems. First time voters are interacting with it. It's the first time the vast majority of poll workers are interacting with it. But we've had five weeks of early voting with the equipment all worked the way it's supposed to. And most of the quote-unquote equipment issues we're seeing around the state, again, mainly in Fulton and DeKalb, is the poll workers simply set it up wrong, or they didn't have a PIN number that the county was supposed to supply them, and, and they, have a, they were having a hard time getting a hold of them because when you start having issues, it starts to cascade. The phone lines fill up. There's only like a handful of people who know the exact thing to do in the counties. So you'll see a, a cascading set of issues. Now, over the last few hours, We've been able to get most of these things working properly. I mean, and one other thing that was very frustrating to us, we pounded on the counties over and over again, try to say, you know, I always believe in telling what you're going to tell them, tell them, and tell them what you told them. Have backup 
paper ballots ready and available at, to at least 10 percent of the, of the voters you're going to have at your, at your locations. And in many cases, that seems to just not happen. And we had equipment getting delivered late. So we have equipment delivered late. And by late, in some counties, it was as late as 9, 10 in the, in the morning. You don't have time to set it up and then test it to make sure everything's going okay. But like you said, 150 or counties or so, they're all doing fine. Fulton's sort of the epicenter. We've got a handful of county, a handful of precincts in DeKalb that are having issues. But even in DeKalb, we've got people with 10-minute, you know, 15-minute lines, and they're, get, they're getting in and they're getting out. And one of the biggest issues we had was of the pr- numbers of polling locations we lost, Fulton really lost a lot of them, and they collapsed many, many precincts into single polling locations, like Park Tavern next to Grady High School, where my, my, where my brothers went to high school. There are 16,000 registered voters trying to vote there. But then you have like logistical things, like Sandy Springs Library in my hometown. There are 15 voting machines there, but they still, because of COVID, only allow four voters at a time. So th- those are the kind of things we're running into, so, and it's mainly poll workers just not knowing exactly what to do and not being able to go to the counties to find out what to do. So, so- let me jump in because I want to get get both Stephen and Tamara have give them an opportunity to uh, ask you questions. Stephen, I do want to say as I throw it to you first, we've just gotten uh, a a report from uh, DeKalb County that's apropos of what we just heard from Mr. Sterling. Steve Bradshaw, DeKalb County's commission, who's a presiding officer over there, called voting issues quote a disgrace. He balked. At the Secretary of State blaming counties, here's his direct quote. It's astounding to me what an abdication of leadership that is to push the ownership down to the counties. I was raised that if you mess up, fess up. Uh, Stephen, you may want to uh, ask a question or make a comment. Well, you know, I guess I'll, I'll start off by saying uh, in a lot of ways what we're seeing today in these metro counties aren't a surprise because for the last few months we've done reporting talking to county elections officials, talking to the Secretary of State's office about the issues running an election in the middle of the pandemic. And from February onward, there were comments about having fewer poll workers and having fewer polling places and having longer lines spaced out because of social distancing and things like that. And so all of that has kind of come to a head today. I myself voted this morning. I got to my polling place at 6.50, and I did not vote until 10.20. There were no problems. There were no machine errors at my polling place. There were just 110 people in front of me and five machines that people had to get through. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, this isn't surprising. But I guess for for Gabe, you know, I know you've worked a lot with the counties in training and delivering the voting machines and different things like that. But I, I guess my question for you is, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's the Secretary of State's office that people associate with elections and voting and the success or failure of this. So I guess in this second half of the day and in future elections, what is going to be the message from the Secretary of State's office to make sure that all of the machine issues or human errors or whatever you want to call it don't happen again? Training, training, training. Uh, And we tried to work on that, but it's as you know, we had to recruit a lot of that. We, the counties had to recruit a lot of new poll workers, and it was harder to do the traditional kind of training with, during the COVID situation. So a lot of it was video, not as much hands-on. For a lot of these people, this might have been the first or second time they've ever dealt with these pieces of equipment. Because we saw during the early voting, everything worked fine because those are the elections officials. They understood the equipment. They got it. But like one of the issues we had was um, some county workers had plugged in the uh, BMDs into the battery backups the wrong way. 
if that happens, it doesn't work. So when a tech got there, most of our issues really haven't been technical issues. They've been issues of training. So we're going to work with the counties, and, and I want to say this again. They are all busting their tails to make sure that everybody who wants to vote can. And one of the things we did to lower the lines is – and I don't know if we've released this report yet – over a million people so far have mailed in their ballots and accepted by counties. So imagine if we hadn't done that, we would be in a worse situation today. Uh, Tamara, you want to jump in? Yeah, you, um, Mr. Shirley, you put out a statement earlier this morning saying initially you, you weren't seeing any reports of any actual equipment issues. And yes. based on the reporting of my colleagues, uh, they've been seeing a slew of complaints from people, especially folks trying to check voters in and, and having problems getting into the system at all. Have you seen any specific reports of, of problems with voting equipment since? And how many of those are attributable to equipment errors or failures? Um. A hundred percent of the issues we've seen have literally been poll workers not knowing exactly what to do and then not being able to get support from the, from the county. We know we have techs in every single county and multiple in the metros, but they can't be everywhere at once. In a couple of places, a PIN number got transposed, and they couldn't get a hold of the county for a while, so we were able to get them a PIN number. So when you want to say equipment failures or things couldn't work, that was really, again, a if the human being there setting things up just didn't do it properly. So all the equipment, once it's set up right, it works perfectly fine. So we haven't really seen equipment like screens going black, real technical issues of some kind of systemic mechanical problems. It really is training, training, training. So, Mr. Sterling, uh, are we going to start hearing from uh, various poll workers um, or county election officials about whether they feel that your office did, in fact, train them in a substantial way to prepare for these new machines and help them understand what it was going to be like during a pandemic. After all, it was your office that purchased these new machines, uh, decided they were the right machines to use. And, and so I'm, I'm, I want to make sure that you believe, and, and whether we're going to start hearing stories from counties who say, no, that you feel that you did everything in your power, and by you I mean the entire Secretary of State's office, to get counties genuinely prepared for this, because I bet you we're going to hear from some of them they don't feel they got what they needed. I, I think you're probably right. There, there are people who are going to say that. But again, I point to the fact that the vast majority of counties, metro, suburban, urban, are all doing fine with this system, and they're, and they're getting through it. The main issues we're seeing are in Fulton, which has a history of having problems with training the poll workers, and in a handful of locations in DeKalb, even though I think most of DeKalb is working properly. We also, as has been pointed out repeatedly, we are still coming out of the COVID situation. If we, pushed, if we could have pushed the election date back further to allow more time to do some more training, we would have. We're against the wall right now doing as much as we possibly can because – we have to have the election today to have the ballots built and ready for the August 11th runoff to be prepared for the November 3rd election day. So if we could have waved a magic wand, we would have. Our original plan was to have the presidential preference primary. That will be our first rollout. You know, one, one ballot question except for 40 counties with some other questions. been really easy, a great introduction for this, probably a lower number of voters. Then we were going to have this election, and we would have – I already had one round of it, but because of merging them together and because of dealing with COVID, it made the situation that much more complex. 
and especially now because we had to have multiple ballots where we merged the presidential preference primary and the general primary together. Instead of having basically three ballots ready to go, we had to, in many instances, have six ballots ready to go for every single voter out there. All right. Well, Mr. Sterling, we promise we know what a busy day you're having. And, and we, we said that we would uh, really just ask you a few questions and let you go. Uh, and I want to be uh, honor that. But right before I do, if either Stephen or Tamar has one last question they want to ask, I want to uh, let them uh, do that. Which one of you? Stephen, Tamar, do you have something you want to ask before Mr. Sterling gets back to work? All right. Hearing okay, none. Well, no, let, me say, let me say one more <laughs> I, thing I, real quick. We want to oh, encourage everybody to come out. Oh, tomorrow you got something? I did have something. Sorry, yeah. I was on mute. Um, yeah. I'm curious how much everything today, does this further, further the argument for a full-fledged mail-in voting program for November? I don't think so. I think that the main thing we're looking at here is in Georgia, we have a long history of voting in person, whether it be in advanced voting or in election day voting. Our goal, and some, some of the voting rights groups in DC have even talked about this, is that we've kept every single option open and available for voters to use. Um, over a million people so far have done mail-in, and we think that's great. That takes pressure off election day. A record number, 325,000, use the advanced in-person voting for a primary, in any kind of primary. That's a record. And now we have election day, and for the most part, other than, like I said, in Fulton County and a handful in DeKalb and a couple of things here and there in Cherokee and I think Gwinnett delivered some equipment late and a couple of rural counties where they had some poll pad issues, the system is working as it's intended to work, and most people are getting to vote the way they need to vote. I think that we are going to continue to look at – we're going to learn lessons from this June 9th primary on the mail-in side, on the election day side, and the advanced voting side seem to work pretty well. Except the last day, as always, because there's always a crush of people, and we still have the COVID situation. And we don't know where we're going to be on COVID in November. But the main thing I want to let everybody know now is please, if you have an absentee ballot, don't go in line to vote. Go take it to a drop box or take it to your county registrar. And if you do want to vote, please go get in line. The polls will stay open as you get in line before 7 o'clock, and you'll be able to vote. It's very important. We want to get back out there because I really want people to be used to using these machines and get the poll workers more time to do it and every voter an opportunity to do it. So it's really important that everybody get out there and vote. Right. And we're working hard with the counties to make sure this all works the way it's supposed to. All right, Gabriel Sterling, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Uh, we look forward to uh, watching how the rest of the day and the evening plays out. Thanks so much, Mr. Sterling. Thank you. Um, let's luck. keep uh, talking. Um. Stephen Fowler, you've been watching uh, things unfold at polling places today. Why don't you give us, if you would, just a quick rundown of where the biggest problems you saw were. Again, I want to point out that there are many people who had no problems at all. My wife, I had early voted and had no problem early voting because I just am still one of those guys who likes to go to a polling place. Uh, my wife this morning in our local polling place uh, in uh, DeKalb County Walked in, there were about seven people ahead of her. She voted in about 15 minutes, no problems, and got out of there. But, Stephen, you were tracking some significant problems. Right, Bill. So, you know, while I was in that uh, three-and-a-half-hour line, I was watching and hearing from a lot of different people, um, it, mainly in parts of South Fulton and parts of DeKalb. Um, one of the things I think uh, Gabe mentioned it is Park Tavern in Midtown Atlanta has 16,000 active voters that were assigned to potentially show up there that day after two other polling places backed out 
And uh, one of our reporters, Ada Wood with the Georgia News Lab was there. She counted more than 350 people that had already lined up to vote before the polls even opened. And so you've got 350 people in line, you've got nowhere for them to go until seven o'clock, and then you've got fewer machines spaced out farther because of the coronavirus. And it's, a, it's an output issue. There's only so many people that can go vote at one time so when you start the day with these long lines, you're going to continue to have lines throughout the day. And then you add in some of the places that we've seen across the metro Atlanta area that had the issues with the check-in process or with the voter access cards or with uh, machines not even being delivered in some precincts in Gwinnett County. And it's a compounding issue. It's not like you can uh, make it up by processing people faster or having more people vote. There's only a finite amount of voting that can happen at one time. And so that's why we've been seeing these long lines happening across the metro area. And beyond, in Savannah, I just saw reports that they're going to stay open an hour later in Chatham County because of some of these uh, problems getting things started in the morning. Yeah. Uh, Tamar, uh, you have had your your folks, your colleagues, uh, especially Mark Nisi, who is the elections expert at the AJC, out reporting all day and still reporting on issues that uh, he's seeing out there. Uh, what can you tell us about his observations? Yeah, well, it seemed like um, there were problems starting almost immediately by the time polls opened at 7, and, and we've kind of been tracking issues at, at different sites around the city. Some have been able to get up and running and, and things, you know, start start moving, start moving through the backlog. Um, but but others places looking like um, there will be precincts, precincts staying open past 7 tonight to account for all of the issues they had earlier in the day. My, my colleague, Crystal Dixon, who covers Cobb County, just told me that several precincts in Cobb are likely to stay open past 7 tonight because they've had issues getting the polls open and, and running by 7 a.m. They have to take that request before a judge. Um, so we're, we're still waiting for updates on that. But I'm expecting several counties to have to, to extend past 7 p.m., even in the metro area. Yeah, I think that's uh, uh, probably uh, likely to happen. And tomorrow we know <laughs> that all of this means since Se Secretary Raffensperger has said he's not going to release any partial returns, he wants all precincts to be reported, all their have reported all their votes before anything is released. We're in for a long night before we find out the results of some of these uh, big races, especially that we're going to be looking at. Exactly. And we're already starting to see threats of lawsuits from, from different groups. We're already starting to see finger pointing from all these different camps with uh, Brad Raffensperger, the secretary of state, already talking about Fulton County and, and DeKalb County. You just heard about kind of Gabe's message earlier today, really talking about how it's in the, you know, it's in the court of local officials. It's not, not the state's uh, problem, uh, all these issues they've been having. So uh, we're certainly going to be in for a long couple of days. I, I don't think this will be resolved even by midnight tonight. We, it could be later in the week before we hear yeah. the full slate of results. All right, why don't we do this? Stephen Fowler and Tamar Hallerman are with us, and they're going to continue to be with us. Uh, I think we should take a break and come back, and uh, we're going to talk to David Dreyer, uh, who uh, wants to, who, who's going to help us understand where the Democratic Party of Georgia stands on all of this. And uh, we'll do that after we take this break. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. 
It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon. So the uh, Secretary of State's office, we just heard it from Gabriel Sterling. We uh, heard it in the statement that Brad Raffensperger put out about an hour ago. Uh, They're blaming all this on the counties, particularly Fulton and DeKalb counties. Uh, Just to uh, put this in some context, uh, this morning at the start of a commission meeting, DeKalb County CEO Michael Thurman, who had been getting reports of problems in voting places all over DeKalb County, uh, said this. Throughout the county at various polling sites regarding voting machines not working, long delays, confusion about who to call, uh, he said, we have a new voting system uh, that Secretary of State Raffensperger put in place. There were concerns that there might be disruptions, and apparently those disruptions are manifesting themselves. He laid it squarely back on the uh, Secretary of State's office. Uh, let's do this. Um, let's bring in Representative David Dreyer, a uh, Atlanta Democrat, uh, Representative Dreyer, thank you for joining us today. You heard Gil, you you heard Gabriel Sterling. You've heard what the Secretary of State had to say. Uh, tell us what you think about the Secretary of State's office laying this off as a county by county problem. Yeah, uh, first it's great to be with you, Bill. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, it's it's sad. Um, look the. Fulton, I chair the Fulton House delegation, and Fulton needs to do better. Let's just get that out there. We're going to make sure they do better in the fall. But these issues have have not just been in Fulton and DeKalb. Um, I've been I, actually I got permission to tell you this. Uh, a candidate from Gwinnett County called me um, about ten to twelve polling precincts that were significantly late opening because they couldn't figure out these machines. So, yeah, there's going to be, um, I predict, court orders for um, up to a dozen or really close to a dozen polling places in Gwinnett County to be open, uh, large numbers in Fulton, large numbers in DeKalb. We're hearing issues in Clayton County. And I, we want to frame this around the voting machines. Um, when the Secretary of State says, oh, it's just user error, I had a friend. I, I did a call to get more poll workers and I had a friend that took the training, um, you know, smart, college-educated, professional person, and said, um, I have no idea how to do this stuff. This thing is going to take an IT expert to figure out these voting machines. And, and we're just pushing that out to the counties and making them go down with the ship. Uh, and especially when you think about what were, what were the alternatives here, paper ballots, hand-marked paper ballots, you don't need an IT degree to be able to do that, or like Stephen and, and Tamara said, the the um, vote by mail. I mean, I mean, there are so many ways that the Secretary of State could help. But from the beginning, I've heard from the counties, um, we need resources, and that's not money. We need technical resources to help set these up. But instead, our state spent over a hundred million dollars on a very complicated system that's still not working. Stephen, the official statement from the Democratic Party of Georgia includes this 
statement. The Secretary of State's job is to provide adequate support and training for counties as he implemented Georgia's new voting system. He has failed. Across the state, Georgia voters are waiting for hours because Georgia's system is failing them. We demand statewide action by the Secretary of State, the chief election officer in Georgia, to fix this problem immediately before we see these issues for every election this cycle. Stephen, when I, I think about that, I I have to say two things. One, I, I would I was a reporter back when Kathy Cox, as Secretary of State, right as we entered the 2000s, changed over the voting system there and put the first touchscreen computerized uh, voting machines in place in the country. Uh, there were some problems at, at the next election, but nothing as extensive as what we're seeing right now. So that's one comment. But then, Stephen, the other thing is, I, I understand the secretary. We know Fulton County has always been problematic when it comes to elections. They've always had problems that are uh, uh, the fault of the county apparatus itself. But is, what do you think when you hear the secretary of state's office, rather than saying, "Gee, we hate these problems are awful," now all of us together are got to work to solve them so that we can have clean elections moving forward in twenty twenty instead of statements of blame. Stephen? Well, I, I think, you know, in covering the rollout of these new voting machines, um, since they uh, debated the bill and then uh, ultimately ended up going with the Dominion ballot marking devices, it's the, the, the Secretary of State's office has to uh, walk a fine line. They're the office that's the figurehead of elections in Georgia, for better or worse, even though, practically speaking, many of the decisions are made at the counties. And so there's only so much that they can say or do short of hauling them in front of the state election board to get counties to change things. But you're right. On the other hand, there's not a whole lot of uh, bridge building going on when problems happen with these machines. And you know, as they've rolled out the machines in some municipal elections last year, in some special elections and other things, there have been problems ranging from uh, people forgetting to plug in the precinct scanner so it died because it ran out of battery power to voter access cards being put in wrong. Implementing a new system is always going to have some sort of issues that need to be worked out in the election. In theory, that would have been the presidential primary that, like Gabe said, there would be only one race, one contest. Then this election would have been a second chance for poll workers and things to do and so it's one thing to say training, 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 it needs to happen. Um, but I think the Secretary of State's office hasn't done enough to acknowledge kind of uh, the drowning nature of this coronavirus pandemic election has uh, put on some of these larger counties. You talk about Fulton County, they were delayed in the process of absentee ballot applications because they had an election staffer die from the virus and their absentee ballot manager gets sick with the virus and hospitalized briefly. And so it's easy, you know, for them to say Fulton made a lot of poor decisions and things like that. It doesn't go the other direction where the secretary of state's office has really expressed a lot of empathy and support for the overwhelming task that running this election is. Tomorrow, I wanted to get you in uh, for comments or also if you have questions for David. Yeah, I do have a question for David. I'm curious how you think the legislative debate is going to play out when you when the uh, the General Assembly reconvenes next week. I know there's a ton um, on the menu. You have to pass a budget. 
Um, I know there's talk about doing some sort of legal liability legislation, hate crimes, that sort of thing. But I'm wondering if you anticipate any legislation to kind of smooth the way for November, taking whatever lessons learned from, from this week um, to try and push it forward to November, and whether there's anything that, that could get support from both sides of the aisle. Yeah, th thank you for that question. Um, well, there's a vehicle, uh, SB 463, um, and I, I we need to talk about that because uh, I actually had the phrase abdication responsibility written down on my notes preparing for this before that came out of DeKalb. If you look at, at SB 463, um, line 17 is, is got as much a lot that you need to know about. So it changes the role of the state elections board for someone to, as it is now, quote, to obtain uniformity. Uh, end quote, and the practices of, of elections in the state. And this changes it from obtaining uniformity to the state elections board, quoting, to promote uniformity. So that is when when we look at legislation and you hear somebody shall do something, uh, then they have to do it. When, some, when someone said should or promote, that means there's no responsibility from the state elections board down. So the secretary of state is currently pushing that bill that would even further push things down on the county so they could blame the counties further. And I don't know why in the world we would do that. Secretary of State um, ran to administer the elections in the state of Georgia, and that's the job. And now there's that abdication, and then they're trying to make that legislative change. But if we want to talk about things that we could, we could do to improve this, um, keep the state elections board and the secretary of state responsible for obtaining uniform elections in the state of Georgia. That is probably the most sacred task of the office of the secretary of state here. But what can we do to improve it? And that is to expand vote by mail. Um, you, you clearly would not have all these problems. And, and if you have, even if everybody had plugged these in, I got a, um, I got a text a little while ago from someone in, in just down the street from me. Uh, waited three hours in line, and that wasn't because of user error. It was because there was one scanner, and that that was what they told us when the vendors were were throwing these bills. Oh, I know there's only one scanner, and everyone's uh, all the legislators that I heard said, "Is that going to create a logjam?" No, 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 that's not going to create a logjam. The more people you have vote in person, the more lines, the more waits, the more people will be disenfranchised. So we can do things uh, to make it easier. Uh, right now, if um, you can only automatically get absentee ballots if you fall in a couple criteria. If you're over 65, you're infirmed or something like that. We can let people say, I want an absentee ballot every election going forward. That would be tremendous. Um, side note, currently SB 463 um, has something that I think will disenfranchise people on the vote by mail, though. Um, there's this, you guys are familiar, your listeners are familiar, Bill, with the signature mismatch thing. When you're 16, you go get your driver's license, you, you sign your name, and then all of a sudden you're 36 or, or 46 or whatever, um, and your signature doesn't match. Right now, they can reject your ballot for that. So they've done this thing that's made it even more onerous. You can't have your ballot rejected if you put a... Um, a copy of your driver's license. So now we're being asked to put a copy of our driver's license potentially in the U.S. mail, which is a um, identity theft issue. But also, so many of my seniors 
don't have a scanner and aren't going to be able to use them in their house, and I'm worried about them getting disenfranchised. So if, if so, we could – go ahead. I'm sorry, Phil. No, finish your thought. Okay, great. I'm sorry. I thought someone jumped in. But if we could um, make sure that um, we do have smaller um, smaller lines at precincts. So if we, if we can expand the number of precincts, increase the number of machines there. But if you're doing that, you've got to give people a lot of notice. What they did this time, and this was according to the Secretary of State's and the State Elections Board rules, they sent one postcard out of the 400 people I saw online uh, this morning, very few had actually seen that postcard go through. So let's give people notice. Let's let people um, elect and vote absent, vote by mail easier. And then the biggest thing uh, we could do is such a simple fix is have uh, centers in each county so that folks can actually, doesn't matter where they live in that county, they can go vote. So if people are confused that there's a long line at their local precinct, if a precinct's moved, if they're on their way to work or back, they can go to these election centers. And, and really, that's just a, a few words that need to be changed. And I, I, I don't know. I think we should be able to get some bipartisan support for that. Let, let, let me jump in now because we're going to have to get to a break in a minute. Stephen, before we do take a break, you've covered um, Secretary of State. You've covered the elections for some time now. I, I think it's important that you help our listeners understand something. We're already seeing uh, today a, a, a battle develop between the uh, counties, uh, particularly DeKalb and Fulton, and the Secretary of State's office over who's to blame for why we had the significant problems we did at so many polling places. Um, it is certainly true that each county is responsible for running its own election. I've gotten emails from people who say uh, there were there was a, a, a Lawrenceville uh uh, or there was a precinct in Gwinnett County when it opened this morning. The machines hadn't even arrived. They were still in a warehouse in Lawrenceville, and they hadn't even been loaded on the truck to get to the polling place. All right, that's a county problem. But help us make sure our listeners understand what the relationship is and why the Secretary of State's office does play a big role and really can't abdicate it all to the counties. Well, ultimately, it's what uh, Representative Dreyer talked about is that uniformity aspect. The Secretary of State's office and the State Election Board, which the Secretary of State chairs, is responsible for making sure that where you live in Georgia, you vote exactly the same way with exactly the same tools and exactly the same format and resources. And so it's up to the counties to make sure that that's followed in reality. And so you've got the truck in Gwinnett County that was too small to fit all the equipment, which is why there's no uh, machines there. And it's why you've got in Fulton County, maybe training isn't as up, up to par as it is in Walker County. But, you know, ultimately, uh, both parts have to play well together for this to work. But, uh, you know, keep in mind, the Secretary of State's office election staff is not that large compared to 159 county election boards and 159 county elections offices. And I, I think another statistic that can help uh, put this into perspective in regards to lines and other things is that the average precinct in Georgia has about 2,600 registered voters assigned to it. In many of the smaller counties, the number is lower for a lot of places. But in many of the metro Atlanta counties, you have on a good day 
precincts that have nine, 10,000 voters assigned to it. So the lines there are going to be much longer and have much more of an impact uh, where, whereas, you know, you have up in Rabin County, 30% of their voters already voted absentee and by mail. So their lines are going to be shorter versus Fulton County. Uh, Park Tavern has 16,000 people assigned to it, and you had nearly 400 show up before the polls open. So even though the Secretary of State's office and the counties are supposed to work together to make sure that no matter where you vote in Georgia, it's all the same, the reality of the situation, given funding and staffing and training and resources and polling place availability, that statement is not true. Where you live in Georgia directly affects how easy it is to vote. Thank you for uh, that. David Dreyer, we're going to get to a break. But uh, before I do, I want to thank you for spending some time talking with us about this uh, issue today. And um, we'll watch how things unfold in the hours ahead and uh, see how the returns, how quickly we're able to count the returns overnight, tomorrow. Who knows when we'll start seeing results in these races. But Representative Dreyer, thank you so much for being with us on Political Rewind. No, thank, thank you for drawing attention to this this afternoon. Really appreciate it, Bill. Um, all right, let's get our final break of the show out of the way. When we come back, Stephen, tomorrow, we know the next steps in a lot of this. We're going to be hearing from voting rights groups like Fair Fight. In fact, we're already hearing from them that what we're dealing with today is another example of Georgia voter suppression. Let's talk about that uh, when we come back. This is Political Rewind. So, uh, Tamar Hallerman, Stephen Fowler, let me start with you on this, Tamar. We know that uh, we watched in 2018 when exact match became an issue, when a large purge of voters from the voter rolls uh, was uh, an issue, when uh, Gwinnett County rejected a percentage of absentee ballots, that all of this led to organizations like Fair Fight uh, accusing the state of practicing voter suppression. And Tamar, there's no question that what's going on today is going to lead to more similar charges of voter suppression, further raising suspicions about the uh, legitimacy of the elections in this state, Tamar. Exactly. And we've already seen talks of lawsuits already. Um, the, the head of the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights under the law uh, mentioned that, that they're making a pre-litigation demand for uh, Fulton County officials to, to extend poll hours. And um, even the head of, of the uh, fair fight, Stacey Abrams, the voter suppression, uh, or sorry, the, the voting group that she had, you know, she, she called the events today a, a, quote, democracy fail in Georgia. So this is certain to heat up. Um, I think folks are kind of waiting to see how the day unfolds before we truly start uh, witnessing the real battle royale. But it's only a matter of time, as I'm sure Stephen can attest, covering all these voting voting issues. Stephen, yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm I got an email just now from uh, somebody who's on the call with the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights, and they say that they are issued pre-litigation demands for Cobb, Fulton, DeKalb, and Gwinnett counties uh, asking that they extend their poll hours to make sure that for today at least uh, voting is accessible and continues. But there will definitely be a lot of soul-searching happening in 
the next few weeks about what's next, what's next for the runoff election that happens and what's next for November. I know there've already been calls for the state to mail out a ballot to everyone for the November election. The secretary of state's office has balked at that. But now that we have the legislature coming back into session on Monday and the Republican House Speaker saying that there needs to be an investigation, I think you're going to see amidst everything else that lawmakers and voting rights groups and others will have to deal with, that there's going to be some posturing and jockeying about uh, how to handle November's election in the next few weeks. So uh, the idea of actually sending a ballot, not just an application for a ballot, a place into the hands of President Trump, who um, mistakenly, whether uh, by accident or intentionally, uh, accused, I can't remember which state he was talking about on that given day, uh, talked about rigged elections because uh, the uh, Secretary of State's office or the elections office was sending out actual ballots to every voter in the state. It, it turned out they weren't. They were sending out applications for ballots. But, you know, Stephen, even if you did send out ballots, there has been almost no research showing that absentee balloting is uh, uh, more prone to uh, fraud then uh, it's simply not. None of the research shows that to be the case. Well, and if you look at Georgia's absentee data from this election so far, a record number of people voted early in absentee for this primary before the first election day vote was cast. But if you break it down by party, slightly more Democrats than Republicans voted absentee in this primary as of this morning. And you know, on the one hand, you can look at it if you're a Democrat and say there's evidence of huge support and turnout. But on the other hand, you can look at it and say nearly equal numbers of both parties took advantage of absentee mail-in balloting for this election. And the messaging from the White House or from other national Republicans saying absentee balloting is bad either is being ignored in Georgia or could be harmful for Republicans come November if that continues to be a message when it looks like uh, all Georgians or at least, you know, a million out of the 7 million active registered voters are taking advantage of this as a way to safely vote from their homes and avoid lines. Okay. Uh, Tomorrow, while we've got, we just got a few minutes left. So let's turn to another election day issue. Your, your role today, what you, you, you start a a new role at three o'clock for the rest of the day. What are you going to be doing? This is the role I've been doing at the AJC for the last couple of years, live blogging um, election results throughout the day. And so in the lead up to poll closing at 7 p.m., it's usually just kind of talking about what we're looking out for, any trends we've seen at the polls going on that day, and then results as they start coming in, um, any interesting comments on, on social media from newsmakers. But obviously tonight's going to be a little different just because the Secretary of State has mentioned he's not going to release any results until everyone has voted, which, which means it could be very late into the night before we see much of anything. So um, it's going to be a long night for sure. Um, that I know. Uh, the question right. of when we're going to turn in, I don't even want to think about. But I, I made an extra pot of coffee just in case. <laughs> 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 so let's just, again, with a couple minutes left, uh, give us the races that you're going to really be spending your time particularly focused on. Obviously, we have dozens and dozens of, uh, of races on ballots across the state, everything from sheriffs and mayors in, in towns across the state, judges, local judges, state judges, whatever. 
Uh, but tell us about the races that you're most likely going to be focusing on. What should we all be looking at in terms of kind of the uh, uh, the top issues, uh, top sure. races? Well, there's there's no real race at this point for for president. Uh, Joe Biden has clinched the the enough uh, delegates to, to get the Democratic nomination. Of course, President Trump is, the, is going to be the Republican nominee. So so the, the highest profile contest on the ballot is going to be the Democratic race in the, the Georgia Senate seat that, that is currently being held by David Perdue. He doesn't have any Republican opposition. He's going to be the nominee. But but right now, I'm, I'm watching John Ossoff, Teresa Tomlinson, and Sarah Rizomiko, and and whether John Ossoff can deliver the knockout blow so that he can avoid a really unpredictable uh, runoff in in August. So I'll be watching that that contest closely. Um, but even more wide open is this race in, in Gwinnett County and, and Forsyth County for the, the congressional seat that's been held by, by the retiring Rob Woodall over the last 10 years. Um, that's, you know, Gwinnett has been uh, at the crest of the wave of changing Georgia over the last couple of years. Um, it went blue in 2016, again in 2018. And, and this was a district that four years ago was voting solidly Republican by plus 20 points. Well, uh, in 2018, Rob Woodall won it only by about 500 votes. So I'm going to be very curious to see the types of Democrats that emerge out of that primary. Um, we're almost certainly going to go to a runoff. It'll be interesting whether it's two people of, of color who are going to end up in the runoff or whether Carolyn Bordeaux, who nearly defeated Rob Woodall, will make it back again. I'm also going to be watching on the Republican side as well because we have a couple well-known uh, you know, people who've been involved in Georgia politics a long time, State Senator Renee Unterman, who really quarterbacked the heartbeat bill in the, in the state Senate uh, last year. We also of Rich McCormick, who's a emergency room doctor, very charismatic guy um, in the Army Reserves or, or still in the military, I can't remember which branch, um, who, who's kind of carved out a very Trumpy path for himself as well. So um, those are the two races I'm going to be watching closely. Okay. Stephen, let me get you in here because uh, you're a, a monitor elections for uh, GPB. We've got about two minutes left in the show. Why don't you give us a quick rundown on what you're going to be most paying attention to? I assume, to some extent, exactly what Tamara's talking about. What's your role going to be tonight? Right. So, um, you know, in addition to watching the late night polling things, the, the, the two of the uh, other primaries that I'll be watching are the Republican primaries for the 9th and the 14th congressional districts. Uh, those are, you know, two. Doug Collins is running for Senate in the Kelly Leffler race, and then Tom Graves is retiring. And so there's kind of two wide open primaries representing a, you know, really GOP heavy district, uh, both districts in North Georgia, uh, as well as some of the state House primaries uh, and Senate primaries, especially Senator Brandon Beach and Representative Michael Caldwell north of Atlanta. But uh, the big thing will be to see. I'm not sure that there's going to be a knockout blow in the Senate, Democratic Senate primary, purely because of how many people are in the race. But with how many people have voted so far, uh, it will be interesting to see what the final numbers are. All right. I've got to interrupt you uh, because we're completely out of time for today's show. Stephen Fowler, political reporter at GPB, thank you so much for being with us. And Tamar Hallerman, a special double thanks to you for not only doing our nine o'clock show this morning, but coming back today. I look forward to watching reporting from both of you on the digital platforms that you'll be posting on as the election concludes today and tonight. I'm Bill Nygut. We're out of here. Back tomorrow with maybe some election results. <laughs>